is the broadcast on Poets at War, Inkling-style Discord chat, last Friday of every month. And now, the broadcast. Y'all popped in at the exact same time. Hello? Hello. Hello, Kareth. <clears throat> so what's going on, Alex? Whoa, fancy jacket. Thank you. Combined with the hat, uh, it's a very... Com- ca- contrasty bit of style going on there. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> Hello, Hi, Tristan. Hello, Tristan. <laughs> Good to have y'all joining in. Could be digging. A, I could be digging a hole, but I'm not going to dig a hole at a campsite. Not I will a, probably be in and out of frame, moving back and forth. So, just not a problem. I, I know you're and, usually active doing something during these. Generally, I did not get a uh, tale of Rossia to a readable state. The last half of it. It's all right. So, it's all right. So, what's been going on with the sunshines? Sunshine. Uh, not much. <laughs> um, Brendan's been uh, working on something for tonight, and sounds like it's been going pretty well. So good, good, good. Cool. When he's talking to his computer a lot in a positive sense, that's a good thing. It's very obvious he's talking about it one way or another, right? <laughs> you can tell how well mm-hmm. it's going. There he is. I'm here. Hello. Greetings, mortals from the realm. Your wife said it sounded like what you were working on was going well. Well, I finished it. It yeah. has <laughs> it has it is a very rushed thing, but I, it it is finished. It feels um, like majorly day for rushing in general for a lot of people. I got like twelve. Um, sequential stills done and put out the sea witch today <laughs> but like that wasn't the plan but i i did a lot <laughs> so it was it was it was uh the plan was to start making more per day and mm-hmm. i crushed my previous record today because basically all i did different was i woke up i walked at six o'clock like i normally do and then everything until noon was sequential stills and I still got everything done. Wow. So it's like I have this amazing like energy in the morning that I didn't realize how much it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's like, okay, well, do the thing that I need to do most. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But so. what was your previous record? I want to say like six. And I did like a dozen. So I about doubled yeah. it. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> yeah. And I did it all by 1030, and then the rest of the time was animating. And rendering. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think it was finished rendering around 1 o'clock. So. Cool. Yep. So I was pretty pleased with that. What's been going on with y'all, Brendan? Um... I 
didn't get as much work done as I would have liked, like work as far as like, I mean, I got some stuff set up that mm -hmm. I finished everything I needed to do for the week. And then there's another project that they put on my plate that I can't do until I get slides and I haven't gotten slides, the slides I need yet. So I can't really finish that project anyway. Um, it'll be a lot easier as I hear my son. <laughs> um, it'll be a lot easier to, uh, do that once um once i have that hi tristan it's like why is dad on the screen um <laughs> but uh uh yeah no it was fine it's just like, like it's it's not i just yeah i didn't get as much done and then i was looking around and i figured out that i was doing like you know you know all that progress i made on the um on the little armored knight guy yeah, I realized all of it need is should be scrapped because mm. there is a because the model that I was working off of, while it is like technically the correct, like oh, this is just the skin. Mm -hmm. I looked at the clothing version, and the clothing version has the clothing as a separate thing entirely, and I'm just like, oh. mm. so what? So now I'm at the point where I'm looking at this, going, I don't want. Because I couldn't make it look good. So I'm sitting here going, mm -hmm. do, I just, do I just spend, like, some money and have some dude on Fiverr take this base mesh and make the armor on top of it? Mm -hmm. And that way, I don't have to deal with it. Watch out, it's Alex. It's suddenly not Behind my problem. You. <laughs> you are being attacked. Being thumped with a cane. I don't know. Not quite thumped, <laughs> just close. G gently tapped. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't even tapped me yet. So gently... not, not touching. <laughs> I, th I, I think not, he knows better than to you. do that. <laughs> oh, boy. So I put uh, Peter and Hazel's costumes in the uh, Facebook chat. Um, K Casey just sent me pictures of the final. They're Sonic and Amy Rose from Sonic the Hedgehog. Cool. So that's fun. Very cool. Yep. Oh boy. But yes, yes, we are. I don't know if anyone else is coming in tonight. We'll see. I'm trying to think. Was there anyone who said that? They... Oh, I think Stephanie said she might pop in. I forgot uh, what Abigail said. She said I, she wanted to share. If I remember one. correctly, Ian Wilson said that he had something to share. And then Daniel Reed said something at some point, but Oh yeah, he did. But so, he didn't have anything to share, but he would probably hop in. Yeah. So we'll see. Happy All Hallows Eve, everyone. Happy pre All Saints Day. The it's weekend awesome. before all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm, boy. So what is happening the thirtieth? Oh yeah, that's what's happening the thirtieth. Huh? I, I I I had a I had an association with the day before Halloween, and uh, I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on then. Apple has an event going on. Okay, that's what it was. Gotcha. So, so we have. Kirith, do you have something you're sharing, or are you just hanging out tonight? Uh, I might actually share something, but I don't know. 
Okay, I, so maybe. Maybe. Gotcha, okay. He is doing lots of work in progress stuff. Right, gotcha. And then, Brendan, you have something, and then I have something. I have um, Mine is showing people video. Did either any of you see it early or no? Because I did post it. I did not. Okay. You're waiting to see it here. Yep. Um, we'll, have we'll, we'll have the live reaction. I was going to try to set up um, my... I have that... Uh, what do you call it? Um, the, the, the Roku stick thing. Mm-hmm. With my computer, Project I, Piper. Well, no, no, not Project Piper. Just the Roku stick, so that I could just cast it to a webcam source for mm-hmm. sending it through to people. But the problem is, um, I would have to unplug. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Reed. Daniel. Um, what's up, man? I would have to unplug my webcam and plug that in, and then go through all this that it was very janky i'm getting a dock yeah. soon that is going to expand my io on my laptop mm-hmm. um but that's the next step in project piper <laughs> so anyway yeah how are we doing daniel and, uh pretty good uh, y'all are gonna have to keep me on track if i'm gonna stay on here i'm gonna be studying as we talk a little bit okay we'll start studying and just listen yeah <laughs> pretty much are you gonna share just tonight keep- or no I don't have anything to share it with. Hey, Abigail. Okay. Hello, Abigail. Alrighty then. I gave me some good ideas, but I wouldn't really get anywhere. That's okay. No <laughs> problem. No problem. All I right. just don't have time. Alright then. I think we have everyone unless the Wilsons show up mm-hmm. um, now that we're at this point. So that's good. I'm going to shut camera off and mute, but I'll still be hearing you guys, and I'll try to give feedback when I can. But the light is basically gone over here, and I have no way to get other light. So Okay. All right. You'll figure it out. All right. So who wants to bat lead off is the question. <laughs> A quick question. How long is this going on for? Because... I got an exam due by midnight, and I got to give Dude, myself at go, least an hour. Go when you need to go, but we're, we we yeah. kind of just go. Um, we yeah. don't okay. we don't really have an ending. Usually, it ends up about an hour and a half, but it just depends. Okay, I'll be fine. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's hiding. Everyone's hiding because they're like, oh, I don't want to be first. I don't want to be first. I can yeah. be first. Okay. I can be first. Okay. It's fine. If you wanted to no. wait for the Wilsons, that's fine. See if they show up. But uh I, I kinda I was kinda hoping that I would like yeah get their uh reaction, but it's okay. I can either way. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. Alright, well if you want to start us off, we can get get moving. Okay, I guess I'll start you off then. Alright. Okay, so uh, this is going to. I, I decided I wanted to try to work on the um, shattered shattered world, which is uh, uh, the war game thing with the mushroom. Same universe as the mushroom people and the beast riders that I shared before. Uh, this is going. This is supposed to be the flash fiction for the. It's just called the Lost Army of Dreams. So. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Also, hopefully this isn't too long. It's only about two and a half pages, but 
sometime or no it's three pages i lied so hopefully it doesn't drag on also i have to mute unmute and unmute two things so i'm just gonna use my switch sorry for the pop okay i didn't hear a pop so there we go um here we go and Ryan's... you know me i didn't hear anything okay ryan slouched over his desk staring wearily at his mess of notes in front of him he had graduated at the top of his class. He had published his groundbreaking thesis on the connection of the draconic language with the ne language of the Nephilim. He had even secured a position with one of the top Golomotive and Magitech innovation companies because of his knowledge. And yet, he had made no prog progress on the strange symbols that lay before him. The company had sent him out to an island they discovered in the Northern Sea. The island to him was no more than a glorified rock, with no vegetation or wildlife to speak of. Yet despite this, a ruined stone castle crumbled atop it. The sailors who brought them refused to say, stay, and rather circled a few miles from the shore. They wished just to return and leave the expedition to whatever ill fate awaited them, but they needed the money. Yet now the sailors and their superstitious views were far from Ryan's mind. As thunder rumbled outside his tent, all he could do was stare at the symbols before him. He had tried every combination of archaeology, anthropology, morphology, linguistics, and even mythology that could possibly be used to decipher the old text, and yet, and yet of these, none pierced the carved language. What if it isn't a language? The intrusive th thoughts seeped in. He shook his head as if to shake her hair out of his face. No, it was definitely a language. It was both a pattern and not a pattern, with irregular repetitions and a flow of sorts. He sighed. Look at it again. He stared at the pictures. No. The real thing. The thought wormed its way like a tentacle of an octopus he saw in a museum once. Grumbling, he stood up, wondering since when was his mind in charge of him. Sleep would have to wait. The climb to the castle wasn't long, but the wind made it worse. His waterproof boots apparently couldn't keep all the cold and damp out after two weeks of constant barrage. His cloak... Wrapped tightly around him, uh, his cloak wrapped tightly around him, he made the climb quickly, crossed the enclosed courtyard, and descended the stairs into the heart of the island. He flicked on his Magitech torch, and letting the magically generated flame guide him down. He had walked these stairs many times, a left turn, a right turn, down a hall, and through an archway to a small room with what appeared to be a closed stone door with no mechanism and strange symbols all over it. Sure enough, there stood the door. Silent, unmoving, and... Were the symbols always like that? Ryan frowned. He studied the door, memorized the location of each symbol, and he was sure that one wasn't there before. He flipped down his special glasses. They were Magitech and let him see magical energy. No change from before. Then he noticed something on his arm. His head snapped around to look, and he saw something. It looked like a squid attached to the Magitech torch, and the tendrils were wrapped around his arm. Shouting an alarm, he threw the torch and the squid thing with it. The torch splashed into the water, going out instantly and plunging him into darkness, though the squid remained luminescent. Wait, when did the water get in here? He was certain it wasn't there before, but now there was standing water halfway up to his ankles. Then he realized he could still see, despite there being no light. The room itself was lined with the same strange symbols, not carved into the wall, but glowing. He lifted his glasses, and they disappeared. They were made of magic. 
He looked back at the torch. The squid thing was gone. Carefully, he looked around. He didn't see it, despite the glowing, despite it glowing before. But the thought flew from his head the moment he looked at the far wall. The door was open. A dark passage lay beyond, more stonework similar to what, we, what he had already seen. More importantly, however, when did it open, and how? Ryan looked back, thinking that he should get the rest of the expedition, but paused. I didn't open this, he thought. There's no guarantee that I would be able to get, it, get out if it closes. Satisfied, he began to walk back toward the stairs. There's also no guarantee that it would ever open again. That made him pause. He looked back at the door. It was still open, silent, the symbols on the wall of the room casting an eerie blue-green glow. He cursed himself and pushed his nerves aside as he marched back through the room to the door. The hall, behind, the hall beyond was dark, so he grabbed his torch. Pressing the switch, it created sparks, but no flaming ignited. Sighing, he pulled out a flare and struck it, hanging his torch upside down so hopefully it would dry off by the time he needed it. The red light of the flare didn't do much to help the atmosphere. Long shadows from the irregular stone cast out from him as he moved forward. Moving forward, he heard the splash of water with each step. At one point, he thought he heard some kind of singing, like a reverberation, but when he stopped to listen, there was no sound, aside from the drip somewhere in the distance. Eventually, he rounded a corner to his right, and at the end of a short, and at the end of a short dead end was a statue. It depicted something hunched over and draped with cloth, so no features could be seen, save for a gangly and sinewy arm clutching a bowl. Ryan approached and examined the statue. On it was written more lettering, and carved into the, own, into the stone below was something written in the Nephilim tongue. Let us see inside yourself. An odd phrase, though he made a mental note and continued his search. Eventually, he got to examining the bowl and felt his stomach drop. The bowl, though mostly empty, though mostly empty, held a small number of eyes. What was worse was they looked fresh. They glistened in the light of the flare. Quickly, he stood up and backed away. Every instinct told him to flee. I'm not an animal, he thought. I'm better than that. Let us see inside yourself. He knew what had to be done. Going over, he gingerly scooped one of the eyes out of the bowl. He hesitated for a moment, disgust and revulsion passing through him before he popped the eye into his mouth. It was slimy and slid down his throat with more ease than it should. It tasted gross, and he spat out some of the slime. He had to double over from the nausea. Leaning on the statue, he looked at it again and frowned. How he not, had he not noticed the tentacles creeping out from under the hood? Disgusted with himself and the fact that nothing seemed to ha have happened, he turned to go. Hadn't he turned right into the dead end? My exhaustion's getting to me, he thought, as he turned right back the way he came. As he walked, his flare started to burn low. Cursing his luck, he tried the torch, and with a few clicks it flared to life. The light, cast a revealing... the light it cast revealed carvings on the edge of the ceiling. Hunched and hooded figures holding unrecognizable objects hung out from the walls. The splashing of the water seemed to echo around like whispers to Ryan's ears, and the figures didn't help him feel any safer. It wasn't until he entered a giant room that he figured out that somehow that he somehow went the wrong way. Were he in his right mind, he would have found it strange that the hallway had only one entrance and one exit, 
yet led to two different rooms. Now he thought... Now, though, he was considering the large chasm before him. Whispers of a language unknown echoed through the chasm, as well as the haunting melody from before. Out of the middle of a black... Out into the middle of a black lake was a stone bridge which sat just above the water's surface. With a confidence that wasn't his own, Ryan marched out into the lake and upon reaching the center platform, gazed into the murky depths. He saw the castle. As if he were looking up from the ground, despite looking down, the grand spires of the complete castle loomed above him. The perspective was warped, as if he was looking through a distorted lens that had everything point toward the center. The towers, though complete, seemed unrefined, as if someone didn't finish drawing the texture on them. The wind blew through banners, and disfigured people threw themselves from the windows with blood-curdling screams of either terror or joy. It was then that the eye opened, a singular, enormous yellow eye, as large as the entire lake itself. At the bottom of the sky in the image, it opened, and, force, and the force of the presence behind it overpowered Ryan as he fell into the lake, screaming as thoughts not his own flooded his mind. He sat bolt upright from his desk, shrieking in terror. Sweat poured from his hair, and his skin felt clammy and cold. He sat back down, looking at the symbols before him. He could read them now. Down in the farthest depths of dreams, Zuthra calls to him a choir to sing a baneful song. Woe be ye above the sky. Woe be ye who walk by sun. Open your eyes inside to see that which you cannot see without. Darkness shall rise, chase back the light, make it run. Join the choir so that the silence ne'er be prolonged, for in the nightmare the truth does scream. That was fun. Noise. <laughs> Trying your hand at Eldritch? Yeah, trying. You you nailed it on the head, Joshua. Trying my hand at Eldritch. <laughs> oh, let me unmute. Hold on. Uh, let me unmute the Wilsons. Sorry about that. When you came in, I just wanted to make sure your uh, fans oh, weren't no. fading through. Now you're. Unmuted. I, could, I could. Well, I could. I could hear Ian said that. Okay, that was, I uh, could. I couldn't hear him. So. Oh. Okay. And that goes to the stream. Oh. So. Oh well then. Okay. Um, that was really good. Um, it hit all the good points. It made me a little bit uncomfortable. Yes. Um, <laughs> Success. I, <laughs> I think um, I'm not. I'm not going to call myself an expert in Lovecraftian horror, but you definitely hit the mark with that one. That was very. Uh, so it sort of reminded me of. I mean, everybody points to Lovecraft as, you know, the cosmic horror genius, but it it more reminded me of Robert E. Howard and um, uh, Clark Ashton Smith. Howard, I think, is also a big name uh, within that sort of cosmic horror genre. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know Smith, but I know I've heard Howard um, before. Yeah, this was this was my attempt at Eldritch Horror, and and um, yeah, so you re you really got it. Um, 
nailed the the tone the sort of dark and brooding um atmospheric thing that i'm always trying to hit and never quite get <laughs> so props even though i only heard the second half it was good thanks thanks um i i go go I, I was just gonna say two uh constructive things uh i i loved it to begin with because eldritch horror to me like it has it has to make me laugh i'm so uncomfortable to be like enjoyable to me that genre generally isn't enjoyable but this did make me laugh it not in a like funny way but like i'm uncomfortable right now kind of way right that's 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 when it's fun um the 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 two constructive things i have is when the uh his flare was going out you said that the torch flared to life a little bit oh yeah yeah, repetitive but um and and mixed language too because you're using it in two different senses um yeah but the other one is um uh uh the other one was i kept waiting for there to be some kind of and i'm not saying this definitely fits in there or not um because a lot of eldritch horror doesn't have any comedic relief but some does like the one joke at the end that would have been funny in some way shape or form was why did i eat that eyeball or something related to like because it didn't really (laughs) seem to do much you know in in the grand scheme of things so i kept waiting for that shoe to drop where it was like why did i do that (laughs) you know what i mean like that's gross why did i do that (laughs) yeah or like even the monster being like dude that's gross why did you do that <laughs> uh yeah i i so part of the uh, whole point uh, not whole point um the eyeball did do something mm-hmm. he turned right into the dead end okay it did, that's what it did he he ate the eye and mm-hmm. then to leave the dead end he turned right again right okay but it that's math if you if you it, i didn't make that obvious because i was trying not to be like let's right. really right, right. be heavy-handed you know right, i was right, trying yeah. to avoid that but uh yeah no the i i think part of maybe and maybe this is just because of my bloodborne that bloodborne influence um but uh, like like part of the thing is is i don't want to be heavy-handed even though it's a flash fiction i want there to right i was trying not to be like jump scare monsters ah slasher it's supposed right. to be it's supposed to be dread not right. not adrenaline yes right and that was sort of what i was trying to go for so no but that's that's oh, okay, but both of those are good things for me to think about when I edit this because, and it. So um, yeah, other people. Yeah, okay. So, oh, sorry. The um. Yeah, it was it was really good, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the uh, you know, of course, you have little things that you can clean up as you go. That's like obviously. Yeah. Know, but the um, I think the one thing I would do is like when he wakes up at his desk, make sure you say Ryan woke up with a jolt, not he woke right. up with a jolt. Right. Because I think that would flow better. That's the one small thing that I would say. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, and uh, as far as like structure goes, 
I would actually lean more atmospheric, like add in a couple of extra, like, like dark, really sensory details, like the feel of the slimy stone or the way that the shadows are almost alive or the, the smell that's the smidgen, like there's something rotten or something. I don't know, whatever. Whatever's sure, sure, sure. your thing. Yeah, I would lean into that a little more just to make it like okay. really eerie. Okay. I might Richard's be able to... Stench of charnel decay or something like that. <laughs> yes, or uh, the... What this... <laughs> what is it that you like to say in uh, the... the um, I can't remember the word. This something darkness instead of the... Stygian, Stygian blackness, yes. Yes, the Stygian blackness. Yes. Stygian blackness. Sure. No, I can do that. Part of me... Yeah, I think I uh, I think I was trying to avoid making this too too long, and I didn't want to bog down with details. But the details are important, so thank you. I will. Yeah, I'll and you can I'll just do a couple, it. just yep. a t- uh, one or two touches should more than suffice. Uh-huh. Daniel yeah. or Alexander, do you guys have anything? I have like the earliest draft of this short story that I've no, been no, no. I was saying bring. for Brendan for Brendan on his oh. story yeah I'm sorry I've been like focused on like several different things my That's apologies okay. now okay uh Alex um as far as the eye thing I, I didn't hear a giant amount of uh the story but it like allowed him to see things that he couldn't see previously right he, he, he turned is... right into a dead end and saw that there was something there that it wasn't actually a dead end, right? Well, well, he turned right into a dead end, saw a statue. The statue had some eyes in it, uh, in a bowl. He took one of the eyes <laughs> and ate it. And then suddenly the statue, he noticed, had tentacles coming tentacles out of it. Tentacles coming hood. out of it, yeah. And then he, when he turned around to leave, he turned right again. Even though mm-hmm. I didn't really make it clear... Now, looking back, I didn't make it clear that, like, rounding the corner was, like, uh, up to a dead end. So, yeah, he turns right, and then suddenly he turns right, and he ends up continuing Uh going in the direction that he left. So, yes, the eye was showing him new stuff. Yeah, I I, I got that. Even the the little bit that I heard, I I understood that that's what was going on in the story. So, yeah. Okay. I, 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 I at least caught that. Uh, from there so was so so can i ask one question because i mm-hmm. I, I know yeah. the, all the details of what's going on in the world i don't necessarily know if it mm-hmm. translated there were a couple of points that i have it set of of his thoughts in his head right the, like him thinking to himself um mm-hmm. i didn't i should have made those clear somehow like maybe with quotes or or some hand symbol or something but um were there any points where you thought he's not actually thinking that thought, the thoughts being planted in his head? Was there anywhere where I I thought that? Well, yeah, were there any was there any point where you thought he was being messed with like psychically or psychologically or something? Yes, but there were mainly the places you told me that was happening. Okay. So, uh, before that, maybe because like his perceptions completely thrown out of whack with the first creature. 
Yeah. Um, and so from there, yes, I could also say yes. But every other time it was specifically like you telling me. So. Okay. I'll try to. I'll try to work on that then. All right. Thank you, guys. This has been helpful. This has been really insightful. Sweet. So, uh, Ian, do you did you do you bring stories, or Chris, either one? I did. As a yay, Chris, did you bring anything? I do. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we uh, come bearing stories. TK, Abigail, or Ian, who wants to go next? Out of you guys. Uh, (laughs) okay okay let's see who gets it okay all right tk's next all right i like how i'm now the canonical adjudicator of who goes next via rock paper scissors (laughs) we do that all the time hey there you go Yeah, I forgot to pay 100% of my attention. I have a friend who's in a little bit of a crisis right now, so I had to listen to her messages. Please pray for her. Will do. Just call her L. The Lord knows who she is. Alrighty. This is... Another portion of my work in progress. This is the story of a girl. The Fred Reverend drowned the whole world. <laughs> you want to cut that out. We don't want to get copyrighted. I think we're good. I don't think that sounded anything like the original. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. Okay, but the best thing about that song is... When you do it with uh, the girl squirrel thing, because you could take any song that has the word girl in it, and this is the story of a squirrel who cried a river and drowned the whole world, and then it becomes instantly funnier. Anyway. Okay. Okay. In the middle of the night, Serafina awoke and sat up in bed. She opened up her curtain and nearly let out a scream. A cloud of wraiths swept past her window. Out in the yard, by the light of the streetlights, she saw a shape that she thought might have been Airdwolf. But realized his ever-present cape and axe were missing, and his horns were the wrong shape entirely, going nearly directly over his head and not the antelope shape she knew Airdwolf's horns took. The creature's skin was black as coal, and his goat-like legs were covered in matted black fur. Seraphina stumbled back and began to chant aloud, God's hand to guard me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from the snares of devils. She started running through the house, turning on all the lights, still chanting, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and anear. There stopped caring who she woke and ran into her sister's rooms without knocking and flipped on every light despite their protests and questions. I summoned today between those powers and... All those powers between me and those evils, against every cruel, merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against the black laws of pagandom. She burst into her parents' room and turned on the lights. Sarah, what the devil? yelled Patrick, her father. Exactly! 
against false laws of heretics, against crafts of idolatry, against the spells of witches, smiths, and wizards. She even hit the lights in the basement and the attic, then ran back to the living room nearly out of breath. Against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul, Christ shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Sarah's quest ended, she dropped onto the couch. Phew! Take that, you whatever you are! Serafina Maria Divna O'Reilly, what is all this commotion? demanded Patrick. Yeah, why exactly did you wake up my baby? demanded Celeste over the wails of baby Margaret. It was, I promise it was important, Cell. Look! cried Granny, pointing out the big bay window. Despite the lights, the creature from the backyard stared balefully, balefully into the window. Quick! The crucifix! yelled Serafina. Patrick didn't question him, but grabbed the family's large cross from a table and passed it to Serafina, who held it steadfastly against the glass. The monster retreated into the dark. What was that thing? asked Angel, Sarah's mother. I don't know, but I know someone who will, said Serafina. Down in Evermore, an old-fashioned phone began to ring. Rising from bed, Katrina Carson picked up the heavy melamine receiver. Hello? she mumbled. Miss Katrina? It's Serafina. Sarah, it's... she squinted at the clock. Three in the morning. She just had a wraith attack and they brought a friend. I don't know what it was. Okay, just keep the lights on. I'll send Wolf and Boris right out. We'll be here. Katrina hung up the phone and shook her husband awake. Eric Wolf, Wolf, wake up. He overgrunted. What is it, kitty? There's trouble in Tara. Seraphina's house just came under a wraith attack. Eric Wolf busted himself up. Go for us, I'll get dressed. Katrina put on her bathrobe and went across the little hall between their room and Boris's loft. Boris lay sound asleep on his mattress. The soft glow from the corner revealed the terrarium of his pet Sparky, a salamander. The mythological creature, not the amphibian. Boris, honey, wake up. Mom, what's the matter? Grumbled Boris. There's some trouble at Sarah's house. Get dressed. Dad will need your help. Okay. Boris got up, turned on his light, and grunted. I'm sorry, sweetie. It's okay. Boris looked around. Aren't it all? Where's my hoodie? Sparky chirped and pointed his tail at Boris's desk chair. Thanks, Sparks. Within 15 minutes, the ogre and his son, toting a salamander in his shirt pocket against the cold, arrived in the Tara neighborhood. They went silent and swift through the darkness, past the church. Once they came around the church, they stopped. Well, that, Dad? Yes, I don't know this one. I smell the wraiths, but I don't know the other scent. The two looked at each other, seeing clearly, seeing each other clearly with their night eyes. This wasn't good. Boris was especially disconcerted. His dad knew everything. Somehow he didn't, something he didn't know had to be bad. We'll go to the O'Reilly house and check on them, said Eric Wolf. Boris nodded and followed his father. Eric Wolf knew where Seraphina's home was, of course, it, but it was easy to spot. They had every conceivable light on. Eric Wolf examined the yard. The center of the creature was very strong here. He found a circle of scorched grass where the thing had stood and choked on the noxious scent of the thing. Whatever it was, it was a being of pure malice. Dad? Come on, son. Sarah paced uneasily, waiting for Eric Wolf to arrive. Granny was already in the process of making tea. Who are we expecting, Sarah? asked Rachel. The garrison commander of Evermore and his son Boris. 
stare at her lip for a second. It wouldn't be a little shocking when you see them. They're not like your boyfriend, as Uriel snidely. Sarah resisted the ears to roll her eyes. No, they're not elves. Not elves. Then what are they? Well, um... There came a loud knocking at the door. Pulled his gun and made for the entryway. Dad, I don't think the gun's necessary. Said Sarah. I'm not taking chances with that thing. Sarah skittered after him, worried. She watched from the door to the dining room as Patrick opened the entryway door, revealing the massive form of Airwolf, Boris no doubt behind him. Her father shouted, Whoa! His gun. Sir, calm down, said Airwolf, holding up his hands. Yeah, we're friendly. What's going on? called Rachel. Stay back, girls, Patrick ordered. Get off my veranda. Dad, put the gun down. These are some of my fairy people. Sarah came running up from behind. What? Airwolf and Boris are from the underground city I told you about. Airwolf is garrison commander and takes care of everyone down there, and Boris is his son. Patrick slowly lowered his gun. What are they? Airwolf is an ogre, Dad, and his son is part human, said Sarah quietly. 50% human, 100% handsome, quipped Boris. Sarah reached out and took Airwolf's hand. Dad, make some room for, to let them pass. They really don't mean any harm. Patrick continued to glare at them as Seraphina pulled Airwolf into the entryway. He held his gun at the ready as she then pulled Boris in after his father. Sarah glanced over her shoulder at her family gathered in the door, their faces a mixture of fear and wonder. It's okay, everyone. They're friendly. Sarah held Airwolf's hand and guided him to the dining room. The ogre ducking slightly to make room for his horns and pulled his hood more over his face in hopes of disguising it. So she was telling the truth. Uriel. I don't lie, Re. I showed you proof before, snapped Sarah. Some jewelry and a picture of some handsome dude. Now we've got monsters in our dining room. Hey! barked Boris aggressively. Boris, warned his father, holding him back. Remember what I've taught you. Do not escalate. The teen grumbled and stepped back. They're not monsters, Re, said Sarah calmly. Airwolf adjusted his posture so he looked less threatening and moved closer to a wall. One horn struck a photo in the wall and knocked it down. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Sorry, destroying stuff, I see. Remarked Uriel. Have you got a problem, Uriel? Snapped Serafina. Dad, maybe we should go, said Boris. No, you stay right there, ordered Sarah. Yes, my lady. My lady, look at you, all airs and graces, barked Uriel. Uriel, that is quite enough, ordered Rachel. These gentlemen are our guests. I think it's time you told us some more about what happened while you were gone, Sarah. Sarah sighed, I suppose. We'll step out for a moment. We need to make sure the creature is gone, said Airwolf. We'll return presently. There's more to that, but I'll pause there. Fun as always. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Love it. Human 100% handsome. <laughs> That's the line the stuck had to That killed me. <laughs> that killed me. You can't do that, TK. You're going. You're gonna. Oh my gosh. Anyway. It was great. Great as usual. This Amazing, such, even. Such fantastic quippy dialogue. That's what you expect. We, we at. love your book, by the way. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, Kirith, do you have more or Abigail? 
say about this? Anybody know? <laughs> Did you have any questions People for us, TK? Speaking. Um, <laughs> girls, you're on mute if you're trying to talk. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to think. Uh, it's nice now that I read some of your book, TK, um, knowing who Sarah is and like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's your wife. That's Brendan's wife, yes. <laughs> you were just figuring that out. <laughs> Yeah, that's my wife. Uh, she has been on before. We were even in the same room I, once. There's a face I vaguely recognize, but I have no idea who it is. And there's right. Tristan. There's your wife. All right. Yeah, that's my wife. That's just here. Here, watch. I can even prove. <laughs> here he goes. <laughs> oh boy. Just don't fall. <laughs> oh, he, he teleported. <laughs> He's flossing. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, please. <laughs> we have tainted the broadcast with Fortnite dances. We'll never be the same from here on out. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Daniel, did you have anything for TK? That's why I'm not allowed to go places. I'm. I'm... No, I'm sorry. I'm kind of distracted. You're good. You're working. Work. That's good. You're good. I'm just checking. It's all good, man. <laughs> Please do your job. I literally found out what Fortnite was two weeks ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I am very impressed that it took you that long. Also, I'm sorry you've been introduced to it. <laughs> People keep apologizing. Like, I... I don't care. <laughs> I mean, really, it's All not right. that bad. It's just the people who play it who are bad. Man, it's like League of Legends, actually. Oh, there you go. Or most MMORPGs, to be honest with you. I Rude. do actually know what that is. So, <laughs> Hello. Hazel's coming in. Good night, sweet pea. Yeah, say good night to everybody. Night, night. Peter, come here. Say good night to everybody. Hey, He's saying good night. Sonic says good night. <laughs> night, Peter. Alrighty. Abigail, I'm not sure if you're sticking around. Oh, Stephanie, how are you? Hello. You decided to pop Doing in. Doing okay. It's good to see you. I did. You too. A long time no talk. I know. It's been a while. <laughs> um, Abigail, been a while. I don't know if you're uh, currently listening or able to unmute, but um, if uh, if you want next, you can have it. I'm going to give you a few minutes to figure out if you want to go next or not. But yeah. So, Stephanie, what you got there? Something delicious? Some fall chili or something? <laughs> uh, it's like a lentil curry thing from Costco. Oh, yummy. I don't know. Yummy. <laughs> it's good. Mm -hmm. Very nice. <laughs> All right. For some, of you, some of you may not know Stephanie. Um, she's been part of the brood for a long time. Yeah. Lurker. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen your face. I've, oh, well, there it goes. <laughs> I spoke too soon. <laughs> but yeah, you she, never really <laughs> she, she's an amazing musician, has put out a lot of cool stuff. She has uh, just last couple of years had a lot of stuff with her parents that we've been praying for. Some of y'all have. And um, yeah. that's that's. Uh, 
it's just really cool to have you finally on one of these broadcasts because I know you've said several times you've wanted to join in. <laughs> so you yeah, it just never seems to work out. You listen to them though, from what I understand, right? Or at least some of them. You so you know kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome More to have you join us. All right, Abigail has said nothing so far. That uh, would probably move to Kirith next, is what I'm thinking, if she's able to. I know Baby is handful, so if we need to move, Kirith come back to you. Ian. Yeah, it's Kirith or Ian, basically. But well, I I just I guess I just wanted to share some of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, for the story that I had shared a while back, um, the first chapter, uh, I, it's, it's a fantasy world Mm -hmm. and, um, I came up with an animal that, uh, is like, oh, there you go. I came up with an animal that's, um, kind of like, because so my main character grew up in a cave but i'm like well not like cavemen like that's that's not really what i was going for but just like their house is in a cave Mm -hmm. and then i was like okay but what does it mean for her to have been like sheltered and so i try to think of what types of like what what kind of life she and her mom and then her her brothers for as long as they live with them um, what that would have been like with like this community that like people live in in like parts of the cave and so I came up with an animal that um, is like an otter that they dig tunnels and they collect they sort of like get salts attached to their fur and so then pe- humans can like collect that salt and there's sort of this relationship where they help like give um the animals something that they want like and and i'm not sure if that should be like it can't just be food because then it's like well how do they survive on their own without humans sometimes because like, i'm thinking of them as almost like bees or ravens like where and so i was thinking that the main characters and her mom they help like sort of care for these otter creatures i was thinking maybe humans offer them in this specific mountain and cave. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Schultz. Hi, everybody. Oops. She's Katie Schultz. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. You can mute. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Kareth. Uh, the, um, the, what was I going to say? Oh, there's maybe a predator that mm-hmm. humans protect them from sometimes I was but gonna, i'm not sure yeah i was gonna say either a predator or it's a um like there's some kind of plague or blight and they don't get fruit in the cave so uh mm-hmm. but they generally try to stay in the cave so you could actually have the fruit be like you know curing the scurvy in the animal you know and and they, and they like the flavor and all that other kind of stuff that's just an idea but that's another another one you could possibly do but i like the i like the predator thing too did you have more on that or no no I didn't have okay anyone have any other thoughts on that 
Um, do they li- do they live in the cave like one hundred percent of the time, or do they sometimes come out? I was thinking there's a town nearby, so they're not always like out of the sunlight. Because I feel like no, then I, I, I mean the, what? I mean the the otter creatures. Oh, the otters. Yeah, I will. I hadn't decided. I was thinking either, yeah, either they don't get sunlight or they just, like, they like to dig, like, and make their homes in the mountain, but they're not always in underground is what I'm, what I was thinking. So maybe they they come out at night? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I, I was just curious. I don't know. I I was obsessed with cave creatures for a while. Cave creatures are fun. Why does uh, that like surprise 14. me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, down beneath in the Stygian blackness. <laughs> we need like just the white with the white letters on a black shirt. Stygian bl- darkness. Stygian darkness or Stygian blackness on a T-shirt. <laughs> Oh, okay. I think there's a there's a metal band by that name. Alex, I I've got to look at it now. Uh, well, either w- w- there can only be one of those, so we could always use a different word. Um, but we need Stygian. Alex, if you're listening, let's get a yes. like T-shirt ideas section on the on the Ooh, uh, Discord. At you some got point. it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So um, uh, I'm going to make that a. Thread in Green Dragon Top Room. Sound good? That sounds great. That sounds great. All right. Uh, Ian, do, are you ready to do yours? Oh, and Stephanie, right. did you, are you bringing well, something or just listening? I'm just listening today. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I just got off work, so okay. I am not prepared for anything. <laughs> okay. Not a problem. Just wanted to check, make sure. All right. Go ahead, Ian. So one of my friends from my uh writer circles on twitter and facebook is um doing an anthology of short stories based on songs by meatloaf and uh he asked all of his writer friends if they would like to contribute you know everybody gets one song but you can't choose the same song as somebody else I went with the Meatloaf song, the title track off the album, Attitude. And this is a Walter Ulrich story, as you can tell. <laughs> he he has a bad attitude. This is a story from Walter's teen years. It, it, I only have a little bit of it developed. It, it, there's only like the first scene of it right now. And then I have uh, some plot points. Let me pull up the outline. That's the part I need help with, anyway. I just have some vague plot point and some ideas that I want to develop in, um, later in the story. Like, obviously, it can't be too long because it's got to fit in the anthology. So here we go. The old clock ticked down the time overhead while the secretary chatted away. The principal's office was cold and sterile with few decorations on the walls other than a photo of the current governor of West Virginia and some awards. Walter Ulrich sat silently brooding, staring blankly at the sweating, overweight young man across from him. 
like a panther observing his prey. The man held a handkerchief to his nose as blood trickled steadily. His hair was greasy, and he smelled as though he hadn't showered in days. Not over there. Uh, Daniel, could you mute yourself? <laughs> Thank you. He smelled as though he hadn't showered in days, a fact which he tried to conceal unsuccessfully with strong-smelling body spray. He had a very sensitive nose, and the combined sense gave him a headache and turned his stomach. No, that's not just because he's my boss, said the secretary. Mr. O'Donnell has done this district some powerful good, and I just don't see myself voting for Connolly. There's just something about her I don't like. Something about her I don't like either, thought Walter. He had suspicions about this Connolly character running for mayor. She had an un unsavory aspect to her, but he couldn't put words as to what it was he didn't like. The door of the reception area suddenly swung open. A tall, handsome, angry-looking man stomped in. Walter, said the man. Pa, said Walter. Gentlemen, said the secretary suddenly, Mr. O'Donnell will see you now. Slowly, Walter rose from his seat and shuffled into the principal's office, followed by his father, Goodman, and the sweet boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sit down, said the principal. The two young men took their seats while the elder remained standing. Would either of you care to explain what happened? asked the principal. Well, I was just, began the sweaty boy. See, sir, he was eyeballing, Walter interrupted. One at a time, said O'Donnell, grasping his forehead. Go ahead, Howard, said Walter. Well, said the sweating Howard in a nasal voice, I was just minding my own business when Walter just shoved me into a locker for no reason. That's not true, growled Walter through his teeth. Then maybe you might give us some, give us your side of the story, Walter, O'Donnell exasperatedly. He was eyeballing Judy, said Walter. I was not, retorted Howard. I've seen this sick little freak following her around, roared Walter, taking pictures of her behind. Calm down, Walter, said Goodman, placing his large hand on his son's shoulder. You have a bad attitude, Mr. Ulrich, said O'Donnell. You completely ignore all rules and procedures. If you keep going down this road, you're going to end up in a cell somewhere. You are hereby suspended for the next week. Walter sighed. It was the second time he'd been suspended that, suspend, that, suspended that semester. If it happens again, continued O'Donnell, I will be forced to alert the authorities. The Elric men left the office and made their way out of the building. Is it true? asked Goodman once they were in the parking area. Part of what I said was accurate, said Walter. He's been creeping on Judy ever since I've been seeing her. It makes her uncomfortable, she said as much. Goodman nodded. I understand why you did that, son. I would have done the same thing at your age, to be honest. Thanks, Pa, said Walter, 
strap on his motorcycle helmet. But you gotta understand, continued Goodman. Keep doing crap like this, or O'Donnell is right, you're gonna end up in a cell. Or worse. Walter and his father stared at each other for a moment. We're not like everyone else, said Goodman. You and I are you and I both know that. People are gonna get scared of you. People get scared do stupid things, finished Walter. Right, said Goodman. Now let's get home. Walter mounted the motorcycle his father had given him to ride while Goodman stepped into the cab of his pickup truck, and the two drove back to the family farm on their respective vehicles. And that's all I've written. Good stuff so far. Like uh, younger Walter uh, being a little less sure of himself, but a lot more impulsive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's that's great. Um, so, as far as the outline of the story goes, um, see, I might have written more. And, oh, I did write more and then forgot. <laughs> but this, the next scene is just a conversation between Walter and his best friend Steve um, over the radio because Walter, at this point in his life, shuns cell phones. He just hates cell phones. So they are using ham radios instead. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> why, why does why does Walter not like cell phones? Um, I honestly hadn't decided. He he just thinks they're too newfangled. He has, he doesn't like them. He doesn't like he doesn't like the fads. concept of cell phones. What's that? He doesn't like fads. Yeah. Kind of like someone else I know. A <laughs> yeah, little, little author self-insertion there. I, I, I kind, have of, a kind of like phone. two other people you know? <laughs> At least two. <laughs> At least. <laughs> so anyway, the next scene, is he's talking about what happened with uh, his friend Steve. And... Uh, they're just kind of chatting, and Steve said he, he got this weird signal over his radio. It, it was interrupting his signal. It was on a very strange frequency that nobody uses. Right. I'm going to have to do some research into that. And that leads to them somehow finding out that the lady that's running for mayor of their little town is actually a lizard person. Fun. Someone so like a girl lizard that. person, or what'd you say, Daniel? Like a literal lizard person, or uh, like just a slimy politician? What are, like a, a literal <laughs> lizard person from another dimension? Okay, gotcha. This is this so is same the di same story. difference. <laughs> ha ha ha! But I'm. Yep, uh, I'm liking it so far. The idea of a meatloaf anthology is just fun. <laughs> that is, is very unique. <laughs> like All I got is my outline. I'm so sad. You're good. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, anyway, that leads to discovering that um, a lot of people in town are being Placed by lizard people 
who are assuming their identities and trying to take control of the town um, and then using it as an outpost for their invasion, Walter then has to stop them from doing that in the process. Um, nobody believes him. Everybody thinks he's crazy or trying to stir up trouble. Um, maybe he gets arrested at some point. I was going to do that. I mean, obviously, if he gets arrested and thrown in jail, he's not going to be able to investigate and save the day. Uh, his girlfriend breaks up with him. Uh, I said the they same end up stopping from, the monsters. And... This is the same girlfriend from the childhood? This is, no, this is um, his girlfriend she i established in later stories that he um he and she broke up okay in high school so oh 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 sorry i'm getting confused by the timeline my bad sorry no we're fine we're fine okay you're good i was gonna i was gonna say one of the things that i think you and walter this needs to be a phrase it's not a phrase but there's like hipster tends to be like portland hipster in the gen- generic sense but there needs to be like a main pickup truck driving hipster it's the one <laughs> it's it's the one who has serious opinions on two variants of a 1979 ford f150 right <laughs> like <laughs> it's that kind of person that is walter to a t <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know what to call that yet, except a pickup truck hipster. But that—that's—that's that's what I'm—I'm I'm picturing anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you're not entirely wrong. I mean, he has particular opinions about a lot of things: uh, firearms, um, the finer points of killing muskrat, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention some really niche interests like demons and whatnot, but um, yep, yeah. Hmm. So uh, anyway, if you have any like suggestions on where to put some of these ideas, like I, I don't want to make the story too long. Like, mm-hmm. how do they discover that there that there are lizard people inf- infiltrating their uh, their town. Didn't you say it was a ham radio thing? It it starts as a ham radio thing, but in the course of investigation, like okay, they I see try what you're to investigate where the signal is coming from, and then discover a secret lizard people base or what? So I would have to I would dive down the rabbit hole of the lizard people conspiracy theories and go with. Um, why do we why does anyone ever see them as lizard people and not the changeling form and and f- pick one of those and make it your own that's what i would do i would go more research on okay. this guy well well hold here's, on. The, here's the funny thing no no go on go on do your thing first the and then i'll lizard the <laughs> origin of the lizard people theory actually originates in a robert e howard sword and sorcery story where 
Cull the Conqueror, who was like, he's like the precursor to Conan the Barbarian. He was like the yeah. original prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, barbarian becomes king of a of a nation that he knows absolutely nothing about. <laughs> is the basic <laughs> story. And he finds out that all of his advisors and all of his staff basically are these um, humanoid snake creatures. And the only way to find that out is to say a certain phrase at them. They cannot repeat it back because their forked tongues won't allow it. Ha! Nice. Hmm. I would suggest that triggers that also... the speech therapist and the encyclopedia. <laughs> make it make it a. Uh, I would suggest make that word a call sign. <laughs> in, in the ham radio, there you go. Anyway, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Abigail. I would suggest throwing in an element of um, the uh, changeling lore. You know, it, with changelings, they um, if you um, like, they can get befuddled by giving them weird math problems, like having to count seeds or cooking your soup in a tiny little spoon, which is just like, you can't do that, says the changeling, or <laughs> something like that. So you know, you could have you could combine the um like the phrase elements with a bit of changeling elements because basically they are changelings and uh have yes. a uh, yeah so you could just put them together and um yeah sweet so, yes uh, i do like the so idea kind of... i like the idea of having the uh, while they're investigating the source of the ham radio signal they uh, come across them because that's nice and simple. All right, yeah. Oh, I'll I'll go with that. I'm kind of combining the um, like the alien lore, the extraterrestrial stuff with the more spiritual, ethereal uh, fairies and whatnot because mm-hmm. I think they do kind of go together. They're lizard people from another planet, but they're like kind of they have like a demonic element to them because we can't. The Bible doesn't say that there aren't demons on other planets. Right, it could be out there. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. New music intensifies. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. Can, can I, yeah, Brendan. Can I just? Can I just? Yeah, just say a couple things. Um, Go ahead. Well, there are a few things. One, probes usually show that animals can sense things before humans Ooh. can. Wolf. So, so why couldn't? Yeah. Yes. Why couldn't werewolves? Two. He's a werewolf. Why doesn't he have a heightened sense of smell just innately? He just automatically is like that's, something's that's not right. That's correct. Smell wrong. And and going a little further, I did a quick Google search. Can lizards see color? Reptiles can see color. Most reptiles are tetrachromites, which means they have four types of cones. Humans only have three. So what if they get the color wrong because they see too much color? Or because they're working on radio waves, they can actually see the radio waves or something. I don't know if radio waves are actually considered on the visible spectrum. But But they're interdimensional, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I borrowed the wave thing from the, um, I don't know, 
I know we've all been listening to Haunted Cosmos, but I, I borrowed the radio wave thing from Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Yep. The, the, yeah, uh, that works well. I like it. I like it's, I it's, like the toucan Sam factor. Follow your nose. Anyway. <laughs> no, but, but honestly, I honestly think that um, maybe Walter's personality of being generally paranoid and generally not liking new people and not liking people is because of that wolf sense in him that he can just sense that people are bad and because he's had such a rough life we'll call it i don't know if he's had, had a rough life but because of the stuff that he's gone through whenever he senses anything even if it's the slightest bit off it immediately triggers the issues within him and so that's why he's so constantly like because hypersensitive yeah hypersensitive because he's he is sensing the bad in people he's already automatically doing that just because that's the nature of his animal side and he tends to focus on that more than on the good in people so when somebody good actually comes along that doesn't have that he that's when you know so anyway sorry um yeah no that's that's, all, that's why he only has like two friends yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and and so that's just sort of maybe it's maybe i'm over complicating things he's obviously your character but like yeah, no you, you, you you've had you have um nailed his character already um yeah. you, you're not really that familiar with with walter so like walter he likes walter what i've heard of him i like <laughs> I, Ab he, abigail are you ready to do yours <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry keeping on the werewolf vibe right yeah, you want a werewolf? Sweet. I have actually published several werewolf stories. Nice. So I could read you one of those. So on um on Havoc. I have a lot of I don't know why I keep writing werewolf stories for them. Uh oh. I mean, well I have to sign in first. Or if you guys want to help me figure out how to fix the story. I like fixing That's stories. A more is, it a is it a world building problem? <laughs> <laughs> or is it a character problem? Oof. That's this guy. Anyway. <laughs> I actually, if we're doing that kind of thing, I actually do have something to share, but I'll let her go. Yeah, the, um, this, this, um, the problem is that I haven't been, I mean, it's a really good story and I love it. It was a dream because, you know, that happens a lot. But it was, it's, um, I've sent it to several different places and it keeps on being rejected. And I'd like to figure out why, because I think it's a really good story. So, <clears throat> hang on. All right. I'll actually. <clears throat> yeah, I probably took the accent, right? So I can't even be sure if what I saw that day was a ghost. They were tangible and real, just as real as I am. But there was something strange, supernatural about them. It happened a few years ago, after I discovered a mistake had been made on the Padilla farm, where I work as a supervisor. A mistake that would cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was not anybody's fault except for mine. But you don't want to hear about that, so I'll tell you about the, the thing that I saw. 
It's hard to tell that there's a cliff there unless you know the area. The ground climbs and then levels near the top. Up to about 50 yards from the cliff's edge, there is a pine forest, ending with a large cedar right on the edge. Partly because of the tree, the edge does not look as sharp as it is, but the drop is sheer and deep, deep enough to kill a man. I run, ran toward it when I couldn't stand the strain of hiding my mistake anymore. The despair of knowing I put everyone down and had nothing to live for. Might as well get it over with, the sooner the better. Stupid failure, the words drummed in my head with every step of my work boots, kicking up dust as I went over the rocky terrain. Worthless, no hope. It would only take me one long step to go over the edge. A few yards from the edge of the cliff, I heard a noise approaching from behind me, galloping horses and rattling wheels. I turned and saw a coach coming at me full speed, coming out of nowhere. It was painted black and was being drawn by two horses, whipped by a coachman until they galloped. I jumped out of the way just in time. The coach was headed for the cliff's edge, just like I was, but I didn't have time to wonder why or where it had come from before I saw something that made my hair stand on end. The coachman was wearing a dark overcoat and an old-fashioned hat, like something from the Old West. But as he came closer, I saw his face, and it was me. It wasn't just the ghost of some ancestor who looked like me. It was me. I can't explain it. By the look on his face, his story was mine. Some professional wrong had destroyed his life, and he feared the consequences, and how his life would fall to pieces, as much as he hated the thoughts of, li of living. It was me, but a hundred years earlier. Then I saw a figure running behind the coach and keeping pace, though I don't think its feet touched the ground. It wore a billowing black cloak with the hood pulled up over its head and face, and it was carrying a long scythe. It was the Grim Reaper. It was death itself chasing down that coach. I had to get out of there, but there was nowhere to go or hide except in the tree on the edge of the cliff. So I scrambled up the branches as fast as I could. But then, a few yards from the cliff's edge, the coach swerved as the coachman shouted, No, it's not worth this. There is still hope. And the coach crashed into the tree, nearly shaking me out. The coach was destroyed. The coachman lay among the rubble, injured and not moving, but alive. The cloaked figure, Death, still followed and stopped, standing right over the coachman. I was sure Death was going to take him then and there, that he was going to die after all. But then, and then Death would come for me next. But the coachman, the other me, had chosen not to die. Death turned up and looked up at me. My stomach dropped. I could see his face, and it was me. I was death. The death I had chosen, and chosen back then as a coachman, in which the coachman chose to reject. Not only the same face, body, and mind, it was the same spirit. I recognized my own soul. Death smiled, and then turned and walked away. I dropped down from the tree and backed away from the cliff as fast as I could go on shaking legs. Did death offer me the choice? I don't know. But I know that I chose to live, to keep fighting on, even when everything I'd ever worked for crashed around me. I chose that when the coachman chose it, as death closed in on both of us. It was more than fear. There was something about it too big for me to understand. That is scarier than seeing a ghost any day. It still scares me. I can't figure it out. A uh, uh, I'm sorry. Account from Jim Cidabaca, former supervisor at Padilla Farms, located in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, New Mexico. Okay. So I think there's one thing 
that, and I don't know what publishers you're sending to, so I don't know anything about that. But the one thing that jumped out at me uh, from a generic publisher, we want to make sure that we're being very considerate of people with mental health issues kind of thing would be the initial like possibility of suicide being a thing that they don't want to touch. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that really jumped out at me other than it's flash fiction. So you can't do a whole lot of character dev, but there could be a little bit more in there for the sake of the story, you know, but like it's pretty short. So I could flesh that out. Yeah. 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 And, and the specifics of why this person's on the edge of uh, suicide, making a suicidal choice, Um, you know, just a little bit of that. To, to to go into that but like i said i think that's the only thing that i can think of initially i love the concept of looking and like the, all the pacing is like what you would expect for a basic horror setup and then it's like you but not you like that's a that's a very a very strong visceral sensation that i i really appreciate mm-hmm. <clears throat> other folk um. Any, anyone who wants to chime in on Abigail's story, yeah, um, feedback, feedback. I, I think, um, yeah, started piggybacking off of Joshua's comment. Um, I think it is the suicide possibly that is so touchy, and the fact that mm-hmm. you can't take the time to, um to develop that character so that it's not just so like iffy on the thing i bought it but that's because i'm a really good audience member and i this is so and i'm i'm not suicidal and so i'm like oh this character's suicidal okay yeah whatever um maybe instead of Being explicitly, oh, I'm going to end this. Going, I'll, I'll let me let me look at it. See, maybe if this could be an option, phrasing it that way as opposed to, no, I'm going to do this. Have it be, is this a viable option? And having her look at that instead, rather than having it be, I'm going to do this. Um, whether or not that's how you view what's being heard. Maybe, maybe that's what the publisher is hearing instead of like, like they're hearing, Oh, I'm going to do this rather than like, if rather than possibly phrasing it in such a way where it's, uh, she's still considering it. She's on and she's looking. It's know. a he, right? He, sorry. it is. Yeah. They, it's, I'm bad with names. Yeah. And, and things. I don't think there was a name if I heard correctly, um, but I'm, at the very I'm, end, Okay. I'm very yeah, I'm okay. bad, okay? Work with me here. <laughs> That's fine. Um, the other thing, though, and this has nothing to do with criticism. As you were describing, uh, the ho- uh, like, a chariot barreled toward me, and I saw on it his head, and behind him was a horseman clad in cloak with a scythe. It, it felt very revelation to me. Just the, hmm. and behold, I saw a man on a horse, and on him oh, was... Yeah. And there were seven bowls, and I can hear the, the Johnny Cash begin. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 the just the cadence of the way you said it—it it just sounded very revelationy to me. That's not a problem. It's just sort of an interesting parallel I noted. Like, huh, that's, that's interesting. True. But um, yeah, I don't know if that would actually solve the issue that you're 
that you're dealing with here, but um, yeah, I I mean, it was very interesting. It was just also like, huh, what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah. Other folk have any comments on that? Oh, did you say something, Daniel? I didn't hear it, and neither did the stream. Go ahead. Oh, I, I said heavy, heavy stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> just adding. Yeah. Yep. I had you muted mm -hmm. just, just for the sake of the, the recording. So, um, yep. any which way. Yeah, it is one of my heaviest stories, but also, I hope, one of my brightest Yes, I, I love Ultimately. I love the hope that comes from it. It's it's great stuff. Um, so uh, let's see. Is there anyone besides me that's going to be sharing? Daniel, you said you might, depending on. Uh, well, okay, so. Oh, uh, Chris I... and I are going to call it a night. Um, All right. You guys have a great thank night. You for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the suggestions and. And boom. <laughs> and, gone. and gone. As soon as I open my mouth, they're like, oh, nope, we're gone. Oh, wait, oh, they're back. They're back again? What? Hi, I'm sorry. One more thing for your listeners. My next book, The Walter Ulrich Files, comes out on Halloween. Good night. Yes. Good night. Oh. Uh, good night. Halloween. 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 Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so I can... I have more of an, a solid outline, and I've shared it with Abigail, and I've shared it with a few other members of the brood. A little short story I've been working on since back in high school and kind of revamped it back in college. Uh, looking at it, my first draft was pretty strong, but I think it works a lot better as a short like flash fiction piece. I'm just trying to find a good ending for it. Uh, I actually have enough here. I'm actually reading back at it, and it's like, ah, actually, I'm kind of happy with it. I, I like the atmosphere, and I'm <laughs> spooky. It might not be sort of nonsensical, but uh, towards the end there, it kind of derails, but maybe y'all can kind of help me out. Should I read it? Might as well. Go for it. Okay. Um... <clears throat> Something is, something is wrong in the village. A foul smell wafted through the air as, as they drew closer. Something told Nyssa to turn back. Something other than her guide. Empty streets. Greenery overflowing buildings. There's a blank space there where there should be words, but... Uh, uh, something, something's not quite right, mistress. People should be out playing. People should be out this time of day. Children should be playing, laughing. Cliche line here, but it's fine. I'm going to stop commentating, just read. Uh, a chill ran down Nissa's spine. We should, we should turn back, the guides, and the guides said. A loud hissing caused Nissa to spin around suddenly. The street behind her was empty and dark. Whispers and faint scents of rot filled the moonlit sky. Uh, Nissa clutched the letter in her hand and a little tighter as she glanced over her shoulder cautiously. Despite the emptiness of the woodland around her, and around her, she could not help but notice the upright hairs. Oh, that was 
such a dumb line. I'm sorry, skipping that. <laughs> uh, I've had it in and read. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Someone or something was following her, or so she thought. Um, she quickened her pace. She tried not to look back. She tried to run. Um, she sped up to a jog, narrowly avoiding a low-hanging branch. She could hear claws scraping against stone and a bestial shape. She could sense a bestial shape slowly crawling closer. With every breath she exhaled, she felt something move nearer. She remained focused on the path ahead of her. It's just your imagination. Keep moving, she thought to herself. Uh, taking a cautious breath, she forced herself to slow and slow slightly and concentrate on her footing. Uh, light at, a, a light at the end of the, the wooded area ca caught her eye on through an opening in the trees. Uh, she moved quickly through the woods and towards the light, keeping a, a diligent eye on her surroundings. After what felt like an eternity, Anessa reached the end of the tree line and found herself uh, found herself on a stone path. Um, and okay, I'm sorry. This is kind of dragging on longer than I thought I did, but okay. Nissa jog. Uh, Nissa slowed to a jog. She. Oh goodness, I'm sorry. It's kind of messy in places. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, sorry. Uh, she's looking around cautiously, and then dim blue moonlight uh, shone through the underbrush, and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. A gust of wind, a twig snapped, something was behind her. Nissa cursed, drew, drew a small dagger, and then spun on her heels to face whatever was behind her. Nothing. Nothing was there. After a nervous moment, she turned back around and held her and held her dagger close with both hands. Uh, we should have brought more company, she whispered to herself. We're not come at all. Despite her fear, she continued down the path. Uh, and so I'm getting kind of the gist of it down, but I'm dragging on, and I'm noticing that. Sorry. Sorry. Should I just keep going? It's up to yes. you. Yes. How long is it? Um, How far oh, are I'm you? I'm almost towards the end. I'm okay. almost towards the end. So okay, cool. That's not dragging on oh. that bad, man. Okay. Despite her fear, she continued along the path. Nissa was watchful, remained watchful of her surroundings. She was not gonna. Uh, she. Oh goodness, I'm sorry. Messy high school writing that I never went back and edited. Stop apologizing and read. We can't help you if you don't tell us what's going on. <laughs> okay. Despite, despite her fear, she continued down the path. Nissa was ever watchful of her surroundings. She was not going to let anything sneak up on her if she could help it. She was afraid she might not be able to stop an assailant 
should one appear? She did her best not to think about that. Um, she recited a proverb through later through labored breath. The passage offered a small, a brief moment of calm. She followed the path as it curved to the right. The path shifted upward. Her legs began to tire. She pushed herself towards a set of of stone stairs. One, 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 once she reached the summit of the staircase, she turned uh, briefly towards the woods. She studied it from a distance. She studied the path below to ensure nothing had followed her. As far as she could tell, nothing had. She realized if something was truly out there, I'm sorry, that's a run-on sentence. I, I can't read that. <laughs> Immediately before her was a small patch of green that proceeded strangely wide opening in the tree line. Shortly after stepping off the final step, Nissa walked across the small patch of greenery. Wow, a lot of walking. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go back and delete some passages here. That's fine. Uh, walked down the quiet street, wary of waking any of the sleeping locals. She exits the woods and into the city street again. A bird cod, cod, cod? Yeah. from from above startling her. After she regained her composure, she followed the row of houses to her left and turned toward the adjoining street. She spotted her destination, second house on the right of the, of the narrow street. Um, after a brief moment, she reaches the door and knocks on it softly. No one responds. Uncle Maven, she asks. Quiet. She raises to go next. Uh, to knock a second time, but the door swings open, revealing a slouched figure of a gruff-looking man. He appeared no more than... I'm sorry, another weird sentence. Uh, he, he wasn't much older than Nyssa. However, his eyes told a different story. Uncle, it's me, Nyssa. Something terrible has happened. My father told me to give this to you. Nissa hands her uncle the letter. The gruff-looking man looks at it skeptically before he has the chance to open the letter. And sudden, a letter, a sudden look of revelation across comes across his face. What? What's wrong? Nissa asks. Nissa, Nissa's uncle looks up at her slowly, unsure of what to say, of what he should say, or how. He struggles to find the words. Um, he does his best to hide his fear in his eyes. Despite his effort, Nissa can sense something is terribly wrong. Uncle Maz, what's wrong? What's going on? Nissa whispers softly. Sudden solemnness fills the air. Quiet. Why is the house quiet? Nissa thinks to herself. They're gone. They're, they're gone. Matt. Um, her uncle whispers. Uncle, what are you saying? And then it kind of, that's it. That's all I got. How can I yeah, fix this? Well, first thing is fix your tenses because you were changing tense. You got some present tense and some uh, past tense. Yeah, I did um, kind of notice I was doing a lot of that. So one of the things that would help with your writing in general 
uh, when it comes to uh, narration is to either listen to more narrative stuff or read more narrative stuff because you've got kind of a video game thing going on where you have, yeah, yeah, you have a very, like you're very choreographed, very specific. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a very video gamey way of, of, of thinking. And so you need to think of this either as a story from the past that you are relaying to someone else, or you need to think of it as uh, a script that you're writing for more present tense sort of things, right? Yeah. Um, so that would be the first thing. I don't think that you necessarily have, um, like, what I hear has a lot of atmosphere and a lot more that uh-huh. you can put into it. Um, and you can make it scarier. You know, I read your outline and stuff, and I think that you have stuff there. Yes. What's what's hindering you is video game logic in the storytelling yeah. as opposed to like either script or or um, what's it called? Uh, 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 narrative um, either way. But that that would be the first thing to get down. Like you can choreograph the story all day and you can do that in video game logic. That's all outlining as far as the actual writing goes. You may just need to, because you're a verbal processor, even with your, you know, uh, issues and whatever else. You may just need to like yeah. tell the story as a recording, uh, do a text, a speech to text kind of a thing, and then refine that. You know, do it like yeah. you're, you're talking to someone and telling them this story. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of started boring myself with how much I was describing the walking and just walking and walking. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, is it like, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Because, 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 okay. So, um, actually I don't want to cut off Sarah. It looks like she wanted to say something first. Sarah. Oh, so you mean, uh, Stephanie. Stephanie. It's okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to jump out this window now. Excuse me. (laughs) No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just adjusting my stupid phone that won't cooperate. (laughs) Okay, so, first, so, so first of all, I had a hard time figuring out what was story and what wasn't because you kept interrupting yourself and apologizing yeah. and being like, oh, this is so bad. Uh, uh, stop. Yes. <laughs> we can't help you if you are constantly adding commentary. We know yeah. you know it needs work. Congratulations. You've hit the first step of being a writer. Yep. You know that you. the first step of writing is editing. Yep. It's not yep. like everyone thinks the first step is writing. No, the first step is editing. Writing is just getting your materials together. Right. So now, what you want to, if you want, I agree with Joshua, do like read it out loud. And if something doesn't roll off your tongue well, obviously spoken English is different than written English. Right. But if you can't speak it, it might not be grammatically correct given our general English teacher level in this group, right? Yeah. So, you know, if we can't say it, it's probably not grammatically correct. This is one so of the reasons I work there. in rhyme. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, how about this? You want to fix it? Do a couple edit passes. The first pass is just to get the grammar right. The yeah. second pass is to get the tense consistent. Then the third pass is the pass that you want us to be talking about. 
That is, how do we get the story from what Joshua calls video gamey? I take mild offense at that, but whatever. To to uh, to narrative, to story, to character driven. I think the repetition of the walk can work because if she thinks she's being followed, then her walking, her panic will make her walk seem longer than it is. So you can create that feeling in your um, audience by repeating it, by and, and, and flipping into her head every once in a while. I got to hurry up. This person behind me. Oh my gosh. Taking so long. Why is this taking so long? Yeah. Yeah. So you can reinforce your character's emotions with the narration. That's not an issue. Right. You say, you know, you know, so, so don't think necessarily, Oh, everything I have is garbage. Cause it's not first, first do a grammar pass, do a tense pass, Mm -hmm. Then sit back and look at it and go, okay, am I getting the correct feeling across? A feeling pass, we'll call right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, then, once you've got those, you've got a good foundation as far as the events are concerned. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm liking the foundation as far as the events go. It's just I feel not... I don't know where I'm at as far as wanting it to go on this long, focusing on the traveling to the well, destination. You won't know in, well, you won't know until you're not hitting roadblocks every two seconds. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh. <laughs> There's Brenda. <laughs> Sometimes we get it all out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's all going to be recorded. Uh, my my antics and my jerkness will be in <laughs> perpetuum. Um. Anyway, but yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to go now. All right, I like that you have your your have a good start, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Don't give up. Bye. All right, bye. Don't give up. Bye, Abigail. We will miss you. All right. Um. <laughs> That's going to leave. <laughs> she'll she'll eventually leave it. Um, as I was gonna say, that leaves me. Um, as far as that goes, I have a video to share. Um, it is in the uh, visual art channel down the side. If anyone wants to go there, um, and if anyone wants to just mute and watch, I will put the video in now. Uh, into the recording version. Yeah, there you go. With the power of editing. And then people can take a watch real quick if they if they want to. If not, uh, you can do it later and give me feedback. But yeah, so that's this is where we're at. This is chapter four of The Rhyming Little Mermaid. Um, and it is the sea witch and it is spooky. And it is good for All Hallows Eve. So I'm going to mute. And when everyone's ready, they can just start talking. Not a problem. Four. The Sea Witch Phineas gave Serena good directions to that lonely part of the sea. The desolate seascape all around her made her want to hide or flee. She'd never seen the sea so empty, so dark, with so little life. But she promised herself she would brave this, and if necessary, she'd fight. But she was thankful she didn't have to as she finally approached the place where she would hopefully finally become a woman 
and taste of Creator's grace. The sunken ship lay there, just as Phineas had said. The silk-crusted vessel was massive in size, and the bones of manfolk lay dead. All around the inside of the ship, it was very much a place of death. Serena thought about turning back, but then she thought of having breath. She pushed onward into the ship and found the sorceress in a small room. The sorceress looked strange to Serena, petite with depressed eyes from gloom. She was an old hag with wrinkly skin, and Serena could only guess what was within, the cloth covering the witch's lower half, though she didn't swim. What do you want, pathetic being? My house is not open to you. If you please, sorceress, I've come to get a clue. I know exactly why you came, and my answer is, why should I? Just take your 300 years, little one. 300 years, then die. Serena almost left right there. The sea witch was so cruel, but Phineas told her she'd have to insist. Do you take me for a fool? I've made my decision. I am not lost. I will do this at whatever cost. The witch grew agitated and slammed a fist on her table. What do you have to offer me? How are you able to pay your debt to me, you poor, miserable wretch? I can bring you riches from my royal treasure chest. Bah, said the witch. Riches are worth nothing. Please, I'm not sure. Can you help me think of something? The sea witch exhaled with an annoyed tone. Not quite a sigh, and not quite a groan. Do you have any talents? Yes, I have a few. Good, now tell me, what exactly do you do? I can sing. The sea witch snapped. Show me and Serena sang a song of the sea. But before she got far, the witch bid her to stop. He isn't bad, but it's not worth him lot. Serena bowed her head, and the witch cocked hers. You swim gracefully. Perhaps both can incur the cost of this transaction. With ease will you part? Your voice and your grace? With all my heart, The witch snapped into action before Serena could have known it. With one hand, she grabbed Serena's mouth. With the other, Serena's tongue and pulled it. She released her grip on the cheeks and then brought a knife right through the tongue with a swipe. Pain tore through Serena's body and she stumbled back in fright. The old sea witch laughed as blood colored the water. Here are the rules, my little daughter. You may never sing or speak again. Obvious by what I just did. Two, your grace will live on, but invisible eagles will dig into the flesh and bones of your feet, so to walk is beyond masochism. These are both the price for changing an organism. And very last of all, you will still turn to foam if you do not find true love. Heaven will not be your home. And if in the true love you do fall, and your love rejects you, then that is all. 
You will die shortly after, and the foam of the sea will have a few more bubbles to flow endlessly. The witch twirled around, and Serena saw legs of manfolk under the witch's long shawl. Serena's eyes went dark as terror gripped her heart. Was this now the end, or just the very start? Hi, I'm Joshua David Ling, and I'm resurrecting epic poetry for nerds like you. Come join me at joshuadavidling.com or just about anywhere on social media. <laughs> All right, so whoever's left, uh, uh, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> thought, thoughts and opinions on the video. The story's creepy. Right. <laughs> 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 I forgot she was cursed to to walk on to feel like pins and needles are walking. Everyone forgets that part because there's so much I other was sort of zoned out. I was sort of zoned out listening to it and the rhyming that definitely helps me keep up and remember what's actually happening and well anyway I'm in this story trance thing as I'm kind of looking at this diagram for school stuff and all of a sudden, and the hag pulls out a knife and cuts the girl's tongue off. And I'm like, what? Uh, okay. That's, that's an original wait. fairy tale. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to have to wake up at 4 a.m. for work tomorrow. And I think Dude, that's going to help. get going. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, we appreciate you being here. Yeah. See ya. All right. Have a good night. Good rest. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I yeah, don't have good, uh, like critique, mm-hmm. honestly, because like, I mean, it's AI. I know none, but yeah, yeah. The, the any all the issues with the AI art are things you already know, right? Um, but it does what it do, what it's meant to do. And right. this is meant to be listened to. Like the, the visuals are nice. They're a nice addition. But this is more meant to be listened to, so Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the visuals are just supporting anyone who's uh-huh. still like, I don't listen to podcasts. This is lame. I won't watch television. <laughs> I wanna see. I, I can't I can't listen if I'm not using my eyes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Stephanie, did you have anything for me on that? Uh, not really any critiques or anything. I just I really enjoyed the whole atmosphere and vibe of it and everything. It was very delectably creepy. It was a lot of fun to do. I I, yeah, that, I don't even know the original was... story still when she like pulls out her knife. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh it's crazy. Like that's about as violent as Hans Christian Andersen ever got. So Yeah. Um but the uh slightly different from Disney. Unless you count unless you count the tin soldier melting. But you know. <laughs> but I mean that's that's a whole different biology. We don't really get it. So but yeah, so 
All right. Well, uh, everybody who's listening, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left, and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. We'll see you next time in the trenches on Poets at War, and we go and stop recording. This is the Broodcast, Inkling-style Discord chat, last Friday of every month. To join, go to joshuadavidling.com slash discord.